Hi, I'm Joe Hildebrand. Welcome to Bunta Vista. I am Andrew, and we are inching ever closer to episode 69. I don't know what we're going to do on that special day, but we're going to figure something out. Isn't that right, Ben? We're going to wife swap. <laughs> uh, only two members of the podcast are married, and yep. we will swap them around. It's going to be expensive to send them from like, each oh, end the of the country. on a wife is murder. <laughs> Wait, um, I can't quite remember the show Wife Swap. No, so the so Kate would be essentially raising the girls. Yep, she would be raising Eleanor my children. would be raising Theo. Me. That's yes. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, she would just be like cooking for you and just wanting to go out and drink wine and not be encumbered by children. The idea is kind of that the households and the wives are diametrically opposed Hmm. I don't know if that's the case in this one. I don't know if there's like a real narrative there of like one of them's going into the other household and like losing their mind because it's so different. It's like this lady's a need freak and this family's hoarders. Yeah, it's just like, hey, this is pretty normal. Yeah. Where yeah, they're all they're always the things that like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're always things that like seem like they should be. They're portraying them as bad. They're always like, this family's poor and this other family is normal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yep. And by the end of it, someone always learns like um, that it's nice to have a family that aren't pricks. That's like the big learning. Yeah. Yeah, But then they learn that and then they go back to their fucking prick family. They're just miserable. (laughs) They come back and go, oh, right. Oh, my kids are dipshits. Oh, All fuck. 19 of my children just fucking suck and I thought it was normal. <laughs> yep. And uh, at the end of the day, you just want to get those kids out of the house. Um, as though you were performing... And into the military. Of, some kind <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was trying to do a segue there, Theo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> trying to be clever. I was trying to be clever. <laughs> Too bad. Now I've got to wheel it around, change Sorry. it into something right. else. Getting the kids out of the house and into... Um, well, no, I wasn't. I wasn't going to put him into anything. I was going to oh. say, as though you were performing some kind of exorcism, getting them out of the house. Oh, that's speaking of exorcisms. You should have gone with that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks a whole bunch. Um, there was a little article that caught my mind this week. Caught my mind. Jesus Christ. Welcome to Buda Vista. We're off the rails. <laughs> it's fine. I didn't need an intro either. It's- We're off the rails. Well, Ben said Theo's wife at some point, and I thought that people would just kind of <laughs> it's implicit. Oh, I'm from defined that. by my wife, am I? Yeah, yeah. Why'd you marry her if you're not? I mean, yeah, literally, in, in all earnestness, <laughs> I don't think you could argue that uh, Kate didn't transform you from being uh, a hideous basement creature into the, the wonderful person you are today. Oh, that's absolutely true. Yeah, mm. you are kind uh, of defined. I mean, by her. I she literally forced me to buy a. a um, bed ensemble so uh, <laughs> why didn't you just make your own hmm. I feel like that's what yeah. a normal person would do 
Yeah, I gotta say, like, um, I'm, I, I get like, I get annoyed about that shit because, not bet ensembles about, <laughs> about <laughs> people, oh. about about people who try to like paint their married life as this whole like I'm still independent and I'm my own person and I'm not defined by this marriage and all that sort of shit and it's just like cool but you don't have to get married like we don't live in a world anymore where it's like ooh you're not getting that big promotion unless I can come over and have dinner at your house with your wife like we're in a fucking sitcom from the 80s like we just don't we just don't really live in that world anymore hmm. so it's always very strange to me you know you know, what I, you know what I'm talking about, guys? Sure. And speaking of exorcisms... Yeah. My, my point about marriage being, though, I think it's, I think it's very strange to <laughs> he, ask he somebody... He at his own time. No, no. No, I'm sticking with this now. I think it's very strange to um, ask somebody to partner up with you for the rest of your life until you are dead. But only uh-huh. a little bit. Yeah, but, like, yeah. Don't, but don't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. I want don't. to have... A shared bank account, but I don't want you to affect my personality or my habits in any way. Yes. Yep. Yep. I still want to act like it's it's exactly the same as it was if, when if we, we were just have, dating. Uh, the same children, but different living rooms. That would be perfect. I always remember this lady I used to work with who had a kid and like what she would always talk to me about was like, yeah, you know, every weekend or every other weekend, we, like, give our child to my parents who live nearby. And then we just have the weekend by ourselves or sometimes left the week by ourselves or whatever. Because it's really important to us, you know, that we have, like, time to ourselves and we get to be our own people and all this shit. And I was just like, why the fuck did you have kids, lady? What? <laughs> if if your whole thing is, like, I need to maintain my life exactly as I, as it was before I had children... It seems like the most logical way to do that would be to have some children and then give them up for adoption. Yeah. I mean, if what you really want is the childbirth part of the process. Mm. You want to be able to say, technically, I am a mother. Yeah. I just don't want to do the having and living with children part. That's fine. Have a child. Give the child away. Done. Done and dusted. Anyway, when you're doing an exorcism, however we got to that point, <laughs> there was an article that, as I, as, as I coined the phrase earlier, caught my mind, apparently, earlier in the week, um, which was a bit of the old courtroom reporting from Michaela Whitbourne of the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, with the headline, Discarnate Spirits in the Courtroom as Healer is Cross-Examined. And I said, Yes. Yes, bring this article to me. Uh, and it just has all of those great hallmarks of a grift. You know, just just the complete bullshit of like the spiritual healer or the motivational coach, like the Tony Robbinses of the world. Mm-hmm. You see those little bits and pieces and you go, Mwah, perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and it opens, it must be among the most arresting opening questions ever uttered in a cross-examination. In the time you've been in this courtroom, have there been any discarnate spirits in the room? Tom Malombi, SC, asked Sydney tennis coach turned spiritual healer Serge Ben-Hayon in the New South Wales Supreme Court on Wednesday. Uh. So began his questioning of Mr. Ben-Hayon, 54, who is suing his former client and acupuncturist, Esther Rocket, 
for defamation over social media posts, branding him a sexual predator and cult leader. Mr. Ben Hayen, who operates the business Universal Medicine from his home near Lismore. <laughs> There's a lot of great stuff about oh, that it's sentence. <laughs> Described himself in court as a, quote, teacher and, quote, practitioner, uh-huh. whose healing techniques include, quote, esoteric breast massage. Oh, boy. <laughs> which is taught by yes. him, but performed exclusively by women. I wonder how he teaches it to the women. Oh my! But but he has so it's it's entirely platonic then. Oh yeah, watching the women. What do you reckon the odds are that he misspelled erotic? (laughs) (laughs) How do you misspell like like erotic? Esoteric. Theo's being a dick. He's getting there. He's catching up. You got it. Oh, you got okay. It? I've got it. No, this. Okay. okay. So, anytime that any kind of joke or like um, conversation or anything relies on me remembering things um, <laughs> that happened up to thirty seconds ago, uh, will not work. I'm just putting that out for future podcast kind of stability. Okay, uh, keep that in mind, folks. That's keep podcast that in mind. canon. What do we What do we keep in mind? A beautiful goldfish uh, friend, Theo. Good bit. All right, continue. I'm sort of the opposite. My short-term memory works fine, but I cannot remember what I did yesterday. No, that's not the opposite, because I can't do either. That's exactly... Oh. <laughs> so, you... So up to 30 seconds ago. Your brain doesn't work. No, it is very bad. Okay. I've not been joking. <laughs> oh, my God, this dude rules. Why, why do you think I tell the same stories over and over again? <laughs> the They're great stories, and I love hearing them. Thank you, Ben. Oh. Anyway, Andrew was <clears throat> saying something... He I told the court to on Wednesday. That. I can just assume it. When you're doing an exorcism. When you're doing an exorcism, you tell the court, like this guy did on Wednesday, that he, quote, had an understanding, end quote, which was stronger than a belief that in one of his many past <laughs> lives, he was Leonardo da Vinci. Oh. Uh, and it has a quote, a quote from him here saying... Leonardo da Vinci had to have so many uh, direct spiritual descendants. Very lucky. I, I very, feel like maybe... Lucky. Maybe he just does stints in different people, you know? Well, I don't want to... Like, okay. I, <sighs> Are you going to devil's advocate for the... Well, no, I'm just trying to think here. <laughs> With the whole, like, past lives thing. Mm-hmm. I've heard people talk... I don't know if I've heard people talk about this. When I see people talking about the shit on the internet, they're talking about this as if it's not, like, a linear progression thing, right? So... It's not like you are going through the ages in various lives. You sort of your spirits popping up around all over the place. Mm-hmm. So there's not really that doesn't give you like a finite number of people that could have been Leonardo da Vinci in a past life. Oh, okay. So it's like it's kind of like you've plugged yourself into the animus. I don't know what that means. All right, let's move on. <laughs> you were saying something about an. It's a gaming joke, there, Drew. It's, it's a gaming joke. <laughs> Um, Mr. Ben oh, Hayen said... Oh, is that the thing from uh, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed? Creed yes. I've never yes. played an Assassin's can, Creed game. Oh, you've got to pick up four for PS4. You've got a PS4 now, you should, and it should be like 20 bucks. Is that the one that's got used. boats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I boats. want to play the boats one. Yeah, it's very good. Okay. Hmm. Now, Andrew, <clears> you were <throat> saying something about ghosts. Monsieur Ben Hayen said, The essence that was in that life is today in this body before you. Fuck, I would love to sit in a courtroom and say stuff like that. That is incredible. <laughs> I'm trying that to work on incredible. being just in my daily life saying stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And it's going great. <laughs> uh, 
so on to the defamation case. Mr. Ben Hayen said that he felt, quote, raped and stripped by a November 2014 blog post. Well, we've all been there. <laughs> oh, oh no. Jesus Christ. We've all been there. Uh, oh, by Miss Rocket, which was followed by two comments on the post and a series of tweets in 2015. Some more tweets back in court. Shout out Mark Latham. Where they belong. Her writings were an attempt to demolish his reputation, he said. Miss Rocket had accused Mr. Ben, Hay- Mr. ben Hayen of being a, quote, sleazebag guru and claimed that he performed a, quote, sleazy ovarian reading <laughs> on her during a treatment session that involved inappropriate touching. What a shock. <laughs> Mr. Ben Hayen is suing her over that allegation and a host of others he says she made, including that he is delusional, dishonest, and a leader of a socially calmful cult. Uh, he denies the claims and says he bought the defamation case in 2015 not only to protect his reputation, but because, quote, it's one of my principles that we should live in a fair and decent society. And I guess what's implied is that he wants a fair and decent society where he can... um. Uh, do ovarian readings and esoteric breast massage on as many women as possible. Isn't it weird that all of his techniques relate to the, to like the reproductive organs of women? That's kind of... Oh, man. That's not really weird. I mean, that's where your um, power where center men- aligns. Well, according to where his- many of the best chakras are, as far as I know. I think so. The services he offers are all esoteric modalities. So... I, I, some of those might not be the horny ones. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miss Rocket has pleaded a range of defenses, including truth and honest opinion. <laughs> I love that you can plead, like, uh, in a defamation case, you can say, uh, yeah, well, I said it because it's true. <laughs> uh, on the second day of the three-week trial, Mr. Ben Hayen told Miss Rocket's barrister, Mr. Malombi, that he could indeed sense discarnate spirits in the courtroom but declined to count them. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I draw the line, sir. (laughs) It's so baller. I love it. It's great. He denied this was because he couldn't really feel their presence, saying, quote, I could count them if I wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) He's counting Canadian ghosts. Oh, my God. He says... Saying, quote, I could count them if I wanted to, but it's not something I practice and it's not something I'm allowed to do. Oh my god, this is this is the uncle working at Nintendo of staring directly up. <laughs> oh my Jesus god. Christ, Theo. I can do the ovarian readings, but I cannot count the ghosts in the room. Can, just if anyone listening uh, is confused about what it is that he does, uh, let me just read you a quote uh, from him explaining his work the essence of the work that flows through me is in line with that which can be called sacred and esoteric by nature it is non-traditional following no allegiance to any cult form or belief other Uh than that which is found intuitively at the inner heart center in accordance with the impress of the hierarchy no claim to me i don't think he knows where the heart is (laughs) (laughs) i'm just putting that out it gets more clear Uh, No claims are made other than the stance that the work, like all other before us, should always be ascertained by the individual to be the work of the truth or not. (sighs) My goodness. Well, that all sounds very conclusive. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but any time that I'm describing my work, I often preface it by saying that it's not a cult. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's, that's generally the first thing that I flag when talking yeah. about my work. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Definitely not a cult. So, like, the title for his website is Serge Benahian? Benahian? I'm not really sure. An Extraordinary Ordinary Man. Oh, my God. Oh, my. This is amazing. This is the, the copy he's written about himself is fucking wild. Ah. Uh, this guy rules. He's a remarkable um, man who, by his way of living, is carving a way for others to be inspired to claim their extraordinariness and shine in their own right. Now, funny thing. Um, oh, he told Mr. Malumbi that he felt the discarnate spirits, particularly when you walked into court, he said. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> On Tuesday, shit. Mr. Ben Hayen told the court about his successful former career as a tennis coach. On Wednesday, under cross-examination, he admitted that he went bankrupt in 1995 and emerged from it in 1998. Isn't it weird to get your your psychic powers right after you go bankrupt? It is a bit odd. It's kind of weird coincidence. He agreed that he had amassed a considerable number of assets in the past 20 years when his focus shifted to spiritual healing. Isn't it weird? Made a whole bunch more money doing that. It's odd. He now lived, quote, very comfortably. In 2016, he had a taxable income of more than $188,000, while his wife Miranda made $176,000. He agreed that this was, quote, rather better than when he was a tennis coach. Uh, just, I think he might be aware that what he does is extremely creepy from this sentence on his website. Uh, sacred esoteric healing is a technique where the bracket fully clothed end bracket client receives gentle application of hands. <laughs> like he's clarifying that he's not just groping people. Hey, 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 no one's nude here. It's not fucking weird. All right. Oh, it's totally... It's it's not groping if there's clothes, apparently. Oh, what a creep. Can we just... Can we talk about him being a tennis coach? Yeah. Sure. Um, That's weird, isn't it? How many... I wonder how many people he molested while he was a tennis coach. Like... Because you think of, like, a, a man coaching women uh, in tennis, um, and it's always, like, you know, the the comedy film where... He's like adjusting their swing from. It's all in the hips. Uh, it's all yep. it's all in the hips, uh, and I wonder whether is um, that's where he kind of started his uh, healing techniques. <laughs> Probably, maybe he was doing a lot of therapeutic massage at the time. Who could say? Interestingly enough, it says that um, so you know they they were making their hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from his business. Um, about $50,000 of his income that year came from the Universal Family Trust, which also distributed $129,000 to his daughter, Natalie, about $100,000 to his son, Michael, $60,000 to his son, Curtis, and a further $35,000 to Curtis's wife, Isabella. Another $400,000 went to a company. This guy Uh is making fucking crazy bank out of ripping people off with this shit. I am ready... To scam people with spiritual healing. Well, like, if you if you can make like a million dollars a year out of it, <laughs> my house is full of incense. You're absolutely ready to rub some titties. I don't really do anything. I read yep. insane blogs constantly. Mm-hmm. I am so prepared to charge people 
a hundred bucks to come into my living room and for 20 minutes just like sit there while I like stare at their shoulders and be like, oh, that's where the trouble is. It's clogged. Your energy's all fucked. Oh, your clogged energy's fucking up all your Oh, no, muscles. your energies. Yeah, just e- every day you just, you just eat edibles in the morning oh. and then talk at someone for half an hour when they come in and then charge them 150 bucks, you know? Like, that is actually kind of my dream day. If I just ate like four edibles and then someone was like, I've got a sore shoulder and then I spent two hours slow motion trying to find like the single muscle fiber that was out of joint. It's like, oh, that's not it. Oh, oh, man, this dude. It's very important to your tr- treatment that we sit and watch uh, all the Hellraiser movies. <laughs> Even the bad ones, yeah. which is everyone after the second one. Sit down with me. Would I'll you like up. some seaweed crackers? <laughs> the, the third Hellraiser gets a pass from me. That doesn't mean it's good. I haven't no. seen any of the Hellraisers. I've got to get on that during the holidays. Oh, man. One watch two. one and two. One Come and two. watch two on VHS at my house for the ultimate experience. Hell yeah. It's a good well, time. You don't, you don't really get the full impact of the um, of the sound from the, um, whatchamacallit, the big the big thing that goes... Oh, Inception. No. The Leviathan? The Leviathan, thank you. Yeah, well, see, that's what makes two so cool is they introduced all that mythology stuff. And then ignored it in every subsequent movie. Yep. And uh, the movies get like um, progressively further and further removed from Hellraiser to a point where it's very clear that somebody was just developing like a direct to DVD like cop thriller. Oh, and that's, they that's said, literally what they were, right? Is that they got all these scripts and they were like, at Hellraiser hey, to it. <laughs> Throw, throw, a lament, <laughs> throw a lament configuration in the last five minutes and we'll give you some funding. Yeah, there's there's movie, there are like Hellraiser movies that legitimately, I would say, for 95% of the runtime of the movie make no reference to anything to do with the, like the actual Hellraiser mythology. And someone just turned around like, ah, oh, yes, the cube. Yeah, at the very end, someone's like, oh, I found this, I found this cube. <laughs> Is it about my cube? So uh, so this guy gets asked Really, the whole of your extended family Gets their living from universal medicine? Uh, That's correct, Mr. Ben Hayen said Asked where the money came from He replied, the business (laughs) (laughs) This, This included running workshops And selling books and recordings Asked if universal medicine also received donations Mr. Ben Hayen said it received some contributions And he felt more comfortable with that word if oh. I consider if a person uses their own volition to give some money, that's a contribution, he oh, said. Boy. He agreed that those contributions may have been in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh-huh. They also received bequests, including a half share of a woman's house. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, you are on the title of the owner of half of that house now, aren't you? Mr. Malombi said. That's correct, Mr. Ben Hayen said. Asked if he had said this woman might be reincarnated as his grandchild, he said that this was suggested, quote, playfully. Oh, my wow. God. So, which, which half of the house is it? Is it the bottom half, and is he allowed to install glass ceilings? And is she still in the top half? Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Wow. Just try to work out his <laughs> angle here. Yeah, the house has a, a naturally wide... 
walls now and for some reason all of yes. the portrait paintings in the house are missing their eyes. <laughs> wow. Mr. Benhain agreed that after the woman died, he said she had returned as the child of a German woman, although he did not use the word reincarnated. Reincarnation is a science, Mr. Benhain said. Is it taught at universities? Mr. Malombi asked. <laughs> Not yet, Mr. Benahan replied. The hearing continues. Wow. I'm telling you, you got to get in on that racket, man. I'm really thinking about it. I've basically, that's all I've been thinking about for the last few minutes. Is I could probably... You could probably swing it. If I'm taking this money from rich people, who cares, right? Morally, it's still good. Yeah. Yeah, right? Uh, wait, no. No? Wait, so <laughs> did you say if if you're taking money, morally it's still good? Well, from rich people. Oh, if, from rich people. If oh. I'm taking this from like, let's say only from people who are earning over 150 grand a year. I'm a, I'm a little conflicted on this one because, um, look, on one hand, I think that, for example, if you're like... I don't know if if you're you know convincing someone that they're in touch with like someone that they loved in the afterlife. Oh, or something okay. I'm like not that. doing that part. I'm not going to John and, Edwards them because that that and, shit is evil. Yeah, yeah. I think that shit's pretty terrible. That said, I think conning people should be legal. Okay. I I think I'm listening. Yeah. Um. I don't think it should be a crime if you can talk someone into giving you like $100,000 of their money with nothing concrete to like, to show for it. I I think you should just get to keep the money. I think it's an art form. (laughs) Like, I mean, so is burglary. Well, bur- like burglary is is that you go in and you you take the stuff that if the person saw you taking it, they'd be like, "Hey, that's my stuff." Yeah, but if someone's like, "Don't take my stuff," holding a Nintendo Switch, and you're like, "Hey, can I have that Nintendo Switch?" and they're like, "No," and like, mm, "What if I ask you extremely esoterically?" and like, "Oh, well, yes, then." Well, if you if you said to, to the you. person, if you said to the person, "Hey, if you give me the Nintendo Switch," um you'll get 600 Nintendo Switches back and also 60 kilos of gold and it'll all be waiting in your house when you go home. And they go, okay. Then that guy deserves to lose his Nintendo Switch. That's my take. That's an interesting one. Uh, Well, (laughs) Mr. Libertarian Politics Podcast. No, no, it's it's, We're it's talking just victim no, no. It's not. Here, it's not all crime. It's not all crime. It is specifically running cons on people. I think on you, on rich people or, or people yeah, in sure. general. Okay. Like, <laughs> you don't sound look, like that conflicted. Look, by this. So look. what about like little old ladies that are getting like those robo doll scams where people like calling them up and like. Nigerian printing them and they've never used the internet before, so they don't realize it's fake. Here's <laughs> here's the essence of every con. Is that oh, you got to be a fucking greedy dipshit to go for it? Every single person who gets fleeced by one of those things thinks that they're going to get a whole bunch of something for nothing. I swear to God, this has got to be like the monologue of some character in a movie played by Brad Pitt, who just like <laughs> swindles people. It's so true, though, man. I remember there was an article in the paper in Canberra a million years ago, and it was about someone getting Nigerian princed, right? 
And they were talking about how they had been contacted via email by someone who was like, hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you just hold this money in our bank account. Also, we will need you to transfer us $100,000 first, or however it works, you know. Um, just give us all your bank details and transfer all of your money to us and we will launder it somehow and give you back five times as much. And they did the shit. And they did like multiple rounds of it, right? And the whole reason they were in the paper is they were doing an interview to say like, hey, don't get fooled like us. <laughs> it was like, no, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't that, get that fucking fooled. funny. <laughs> no, well, the funniest thing of the article was they were like, yeah, so they asked us for all this money. And so we gave it to them. And they, and they gave these people like $150,000, right? It was fucking nuts. They gave them all this money and they said, yeah, so when we cottoned on was when they asked us for money to like launder the money. But what they meant was like to wash the money. They said, oh, we, we want like, you know, we need another 25 grand or whatever so that we can wash this million dollars that we're going to give you. And they were like, yeah, we just thought it was really funny because we'd already given them $25,000 to wash the money. And we were like, why do you need to wash the money again? Oh boy. Uh, and I was like, don't go in the newspaper and tell people you're this fucking dumb. <laughs> that's, that's wholly unnecessary. Folks, so they the deserve to lose their money. inspector comes up to you. Yes, I agree, Theo. <laughs> if the wallet inspector comes to you and asks to see the content of your wallet and $50 is then snatched from you, if you lose a pineapple on that basis, maybe you deserve to lose your pineapple. That's all, all I'm right. saying. All right, all right. My goodness. So, yeah, I think, I think you've got to respect the con man. That's all I'm saying. Take some balls. Take some balls to do the grift. Speaking of grift, did you guys see that video of uh, Laura Luma? Oh. Old right Laura Luma at the, uh, at the hearings in the States. And with some, like, Be- Begging Jack Dorsey. Or something doing, like, fucking uh, auction, the auction voice. voice over the top of her. Well, it's because, you know why? You know why that was the case? So, there's two videos. There was one video of Laura Luma out the front of this thing as, as Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, is leaving. And she's just saying, can I have my verification back? <laughs> Which is some extremely lame shit. And he totally ignores her and shuts the door and drives off. But in the actual hearings, she is also in there standing up and saying... We should all be very afraid because they are censoring conservatives. And also, Jack, you should give me my verification back on this thing. And um, But she's holding in her hand the whole time like a, a fucking selfie stick with her phone on it in like um, landscape mode in front of her face the whole time. And while she's talking... All you can hear over the audio is like the guy who's actually behind the mic up on the panel going, what's this lady talking about? I can't hear it. I can't hear anything she's saying. I can't hear anything she's saying. And he looks at her holding the, the phone on the selfie stick and it just looks like the sign you would hold up at an auction. And so he starts <laughs> starts doing the whole auction voice. Can you do it, Ben? Can you do one for us? Uh, no, I absolutely cannot. But that guy did a really good one. Oh, well, uh, that's enough for people to imagine, I guess. Hmm. Uh, what about imagine. you, Theo? What about you, Theo? Would you like? No? I can barely talk at a normal pace without getting too shy. <laughs> so. Oh dear. 
Oh, and also, super bitch thing to do. That's like, oh, I lost my tick, and now I'm going to have to go and complain to the CEO of Twitter. No, lose your tick like a man, like the guy that uh, pretended to be Italian Elon Musk. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't that, that Alex Q Arbuckle? <laughs> yes. Was that the Alex sure Arbuckle? Was. Yeah, he lost, it, lost his tick because he was one of the first people to get canned for pretending to be Elon Musk on Twitter. He was like, <laughs> ah... Mamma mia. Oh no, I got too fascist and I lost my tick. That was a that was a good bit for about five seconds. And then like six thousand Twitter. Oh, it was great while he was up. doing it. Yeah, yeah. While well, he was doing it for like a, a day it was or two. Superb, yeah. And then um everybody else in the world was like, oh, I'm French Elon Musk. It's like boo. <laughs> Oh, Boo. look, this this account running French Elon Musk has taken a big toll on my life. I need to <laughs> go on a retreat now from the stress of running my account where I pretend to be French Elon Musk. Uh, hey, guys. Hey. Speaking of... Hi, up? Andrew. Speaking of Elon Exorcism. Musk. Elon Musk. Sure. The Musketeer. Go on. Uh, so I assume, I assume that we've all seen that he has come out again, guns blazing, about the, the man that he's accusing of being a pedophile. Yeah, and I believe this time he used the words child rapist. Uh-huh. Um, child gambit. bride. He also used. So, so he sent two emails to a reporter. I cannot at this point remember the reporter's name. But he sent him two emails. The first one saying... Um, off record, off the record. By the way, on background. Well, the first one he said off the record and the mm-hmm. second one he said on background. And in both of these cases, as the reporter said, off the record is a two-party arrangement. You need to have agreement from the person that what you're telling them is off the record before you proceed. Otherwise, if the person doesn't agree that it's off the record, they can print whatever the fuck they like. If you were having a conversation with someone off the phone, on the phone, you said, hey, um... Can we keep the, this thing I'm about to tell you off the record? And they said, absolutely not. You would go, oh, I better not tell you then. Mm. Uh, but instead, Elon Musk just sent this guy an email with um, off the record at the top um, and then went into the whole thing about um, how that the diver from the rescue team uh, absolutely is a pedo and um, you, you, should stop, you should stop protecting child molesters you sick fuck, he said to this journalist. And he again doubled down on the whole position of like, oh, well, he threatened a lawsuit, but I never got sued. So doesn't that tell you that he actually is a big chomo? Um, so it's going well over at Tesla. And yeah, he sent, sent him another follow-up email and this guy has published both of these things and said, never agreed for any of this stuff to be off the record. Uh... So Elon, which Musk is very is, funny, because as we all know, Elon Musk is a brain genius. Oh, the uh, biggest genius of our time, the true Da Vinci. Uh, maybe, maybe he is also uh, <laughs> was Da Vinci in a former life. But um, but now he is making uh, the move, which I think I saw somebody online refer to as like stage eight or nine of the meltdown, which is he's going on Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> God. That's gonna go well. Oh man. My goodness. Rick and Morty Man cannot log off. I wonder if he's gonna do DMT. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, 
Well, he's having enough trouble with the Ambien, you know? We just can't can't leave it alone. But we've all been there. He's absolutely going to lose his... Um, or DMT. Uh, hmm. Fair enough. Uh, uh, my wife gets things like uh, Xanax and shit now. And so... If I'm super stressed out, she's like, just take... Oh, no, they're like Valiums. They're whatever the generic mm-hmm. Valiums are. Oh, if you're looking for something, to, if you're stressed out and looking for something to take, I've got some, like, Tramadol in the cupboard. What is that? And it's like Oxys. Yeah. Yeah. You could just casually take some of those. Well, actually, might might still have some Oxys from when I am... Um, are we still recording the out. podcast? Yeah, sure. Okay. What <laughs> drugs do you like to take, Ben? <laughs> I've never taken any of these recreationally, which is probably why you could use them. Yeah. I don't do drugs. I only smoke weed. Yeah. Well, that's fair. It's a plant. How can a plant be a crime? (laughs) God put this on the earth for us, man. But you're right, Ben. It felt like the the podcast took a very solemn shift there for a second. What? Into us talking about what kinds of drugs we have in our house? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I don't think that we, you should we be usually stigmatized. Topic. Theo, I don't think you should be stigmatized for being so insane that you have drugs in your house to stop you from freaking out. Don't make it. Don't make it about this, Angel. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I don't know if I spoke about this on the podcast, but uh, when I was flying back from Japan, I had like two Valiums. But couldn't fall asleep and just completely lost my mind. Like nice. Uh, I had had a couple of whiskeys and a couple of Valiums and was just like, no matter what I did, I couldn't fall asleep. And I've been up for a really, really long time. And I was just watching the animated film Coco and just crying my eyes oh out. Oh my god! Completely unable oh, no, to man. like. Coco exist. makes me cry stone cold sober. Oh, it was um, a horrifying experience. I just like couldn't function at all. Uh, but that movie, it, delightful. Very sad in so many different parts. Yeah, yeah. I felt much like uh, much like Moana. It genuinely left me feeling like I had actually learned something about another culture. Like the whole yeah, uh, Moana was delightful. It was a nice movie. Yeah, but uh, like in Coco, with all of the Day of the Dead festival stuff, where it like actually explains what the point of it is, and you know, putting putting people's pictures up and everything. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my, my dead grandparents. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. And then my kids just look at me weird while I cry on the couch and they're trying to watch their fun movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's see. funny because he has a guitar and you're just like, oh, mortality. <laughs> no. Like, it's his grandfather's guitar. <laughs> oh, he uh. wrote the song for Coco. <laughs> Yeah. Alright, well, I won't be watching that movie then. Oh, I'm going to rewatch oh, it. Oh my god, mm. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, what's, stuff. Uh, what's the Speaking deal with exorcisms? <laughs> what's the deal with what, Theo? Rosebud. Oh, you can't say that word to me. I've watched too much grody porn to hear that word. <laughs> what? That word triggers me. Ugh. I've, I played too much the thi- the oh, fuck the Sims. You know, it was one of the cheat codes in the Sims. Oh. Well, um, anybody anybody who doesn't know what that refers to in a pornography context, count yourself lucky and do not go looking. That's all I can say to you. 
That is all I can say. Let's leave that at that, lest I be forced to explain further. Anyway, speaking of um, people who should, I guess, probably be medicated, uh, old mate Joe Hildebrand had a story in the paper. Not a story, an opinion piece full of his opinions. And let me tell you, folks, his opinions, dog shit. Dog shit, each and every one. Uh, I'd just like to wheel back around for a second and say that um, I don't actually think that anybody should be forcibly medicated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone was going to take that as sincere. Uh, although... No, but still. But this still. week's crime pass. Uh, this week's put, crime pass. Do you reckon if you put LSD into the tip of a blow dart, it would work? It would probably depend where the dart hit, I guess. I don't Right in the dick. <laughs> right in the old bullseye Right up there You can blow dart uh, LSD laced darts Into Joe Hildebrand's glands Or the Joe Hilda glands If you will <laughs> That's good Gross good, then. Thank you Gross stuff That's this week's crime bus Yeah So uh, he wrote an article And when you consider What the Australian media landscape Has been like Over the past week or so Which has been Uh Steve Bannon getting interviewed on Four Corners. Um, what else have we had? We've had a lot of good stuff. We've had, um, you know, the the new Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, up there saying, oh, we don't need gender whisperers in schools. Let kids be kids. Let kids be not queer, is what the Prime Minister would like you to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was also out there today um, calling on the power of prayer to solve the drought. So that's cool. It seems like as his job as in running the country, um, there may be some sort of like physical aspect, I think, mm-hmm. to doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong. I think... No, I think it's mainly a spiritual role. Yeah. It's mainly encouraging people to pray. Like the Queen. That's, that's what most Australians are looking for in 2018 is um, just just encouragement to pray about it so considering considering how not great things are going with uh with our media landscape at the moment uh joe has written a piece entitled big problem with identity politics that's right folks it's time for another big cry about identity politics so here are the opinions of a really dumb man There is something cripplingly sad at the heart of identity politics, which perhaps explains why those who practice it always seem so morose. Oh. You know how serious you are, Ben? Yeah. How literally soul-destroying it must be to believe that you are defined by the skin you are born into, rather than the heart that beats inside it. That the experience of the body is more important than the life of the mind. I just oh had like boy. one of those, you know, those like c- scenes in The Simpsons where it just like flashes up to Homer's what's going on inside Homer's head. <laughs> I just got that as the life of the mind of Joe Hildebrand. Uh, it just made me think of bloody, uh, it's the Coen Brothers movie, the second or third one. John Goodman screaming, I'll show you the life of the mind while the building is on fire and he's got the axe. Barton Fink. Barton Fink. That's the one. It's pretty good that I got that, considering that I have not seen Barton Fink. I haven't seen Barton Fink either. 
Yeah. Wonderful film, my friends. You should simply must watch that movie. Okay. The problem is that when you define yourself by your race or gender or sexuality and others by theirs, you immediately vacate the field of intellectual rigor. What humans once optimistically called the battle of ideas. Oh, shut the fuck up. This is some mad libertarian shit. I love it. I just, I love this stuff so much because it's just this idea that like, if no, if people just stopped talking about any of this stuff, it, it racism would be solved, you know? Um, yeah, like if, if, if people in the States stopped talking about like, uh, like unarmed black men being shot by the police, then it just wouldn't happen. Or just that people wouldn't care? Which one? Which one is meant to be the outcome of it? Well, I think if you're shot by the police, you're just not supposed to define yourself by it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the point that he's making. If you get a, a hole put in your head by the people that are supposed to protect it, um, don't, just don't be so pissy about it. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I think. Don't be so pissy about getting murdered. Instead of the most compelling and logical arguments gaining ascendancy, all points of view are reduced to the fleshy bits of whoever is espousing them. Hence, only a woman can understand sexism, and no Caucasian can comprehend racism. Well, he obviously I... can't comprehend it, so there's probably a kernel of truth to that. <laughs> mm. To grasp an issue, or what might now be called an experience, you don't have to examine or explore it, you only have to be it. Oh my God. Your only qualification is your body. And of course, the opposite applies. Anyone who doesn't meet at least one physical criteria for oppression is seen as illegitimate. What? Again, this idea that like, yeah, only, only a woman can understand sexism. It's like, no, may, but maybe you could listen to a woman <laughs> talking about it. No Caucasian can comprehend racism. Maybe if you tried listening to some of the people who were like victims of systemic Racism, maybe you could start yeah, to understand you, like, it. Maybe if you interviewed somebody for this instead of just uh, whatever this is. I don't know what the fuck this is. This is like, and I guess what what gets me as well is like, is that's not even what anybody's saying. Nobody is saying. No, that they, that's right. It's a complete straw. Yeah, only a woman can understand sexism. No, only. Only people who are not white can comprehend racism. Like, I can comprehend the existence of racism without having been oppressed by it. Like, I don't, I don't understand what he's finding so complicated it's, here. Uh, it's so dumb, and it's like, only someone as dumb as this would truly believe that there's a marketplace of ideas where the most rational bubble to the top and are accepted as, as fact. When we, we know time and time again that people are dumb. Um, well, he, he's a got a fucking man. column in the paper, doesn't he? That's exactly right. And, you know, wow, like, uh, you're telling me that there's, that, you know, as a white man, he's not unfairly, uh, you know, uh, benefiting. Um, if someone as dumb as him can get away with writing stuff as dumb as he does uh, and get paid for it, well, there's probably there's probably a little something wrong, I would say. Um, but yeah, it, like this concept that, that people are all... Like if we all just sat down and rationally hashed this out, um, that 
like you said, like if you ignore it, it all goes away. The racism goes away, and we just go. Well, we just need to talk. We just need to talk seriously about about why uh, what you're feeling is is not not real. Yeah, like like people are by and by rational instead of all of these things being defined by people being irrational, which they are, which which people are by definition. It's not going to get better, right? Like it's not going to suddenly solve itself. Um, and I think, yeah, anyone that, that believes that is a huge dipshit. Well, uh, like it's uh, as well, I don't understand like, yeah, having having your whole political position seemingly be set up around like I don't know I guess deliberately saying there there is no circumstance under which I could ever understand or empathize with another person in their position so I'm not going to try like it, it almost yeah it almost seems like just kind of I don't know th- yeah, throwing your hands up and saying oh well you know you've told me that I don't understand what it's like to be discriminated against because I'm white therefore I can never understand so well, I, I won't even bother listening to you about it guess I'm just a racist then huh I guess I'm just a big racist uh, he you did continues, this you did this to me hey you know what this is actually about guys this brings us to the lampooning of Scott Morrison for being not just straight, white, and male, but also, horror of horrors, a Christian. Oh, Jesus Christ. If being a straight white man is the trifecta of cultural oppression these days, then ScoMo has just taken out the quadrilla. Far be it from me to be remotely offended by this. Indeed, as a failed rock star, I applauded tonightly's rhyming of Jesus with Refugeesus. However, it is a perfect example of why defining someone by their racial, sexual, or even religious identity is both utterly pointless and deeply hypocritical. Allow me to demonstrate. Uh-huh. He, said, he, f- he felt like that needed to be its own paragraph. Allow me to demonstrate. ScoMo has long attracted special attention for his skin color, chromosomes, and god-bothering ways. A 2016 Fairfax opinion piece opened with Poor Scott Morrison. As a wealthy white male Christian, he's got it tough. And a Huffington Post piece opened with Scott Morrison, a straight white Christian male politician, claims he has experienced the same sort of hatred and bigotry which face LGBTI people striving for marriage equality. And of course, since becoming PM, he has only been defined ever more by his whiteness, straightness, and churchiness. Again, I am far from outraged, but here's a fun little fact. Morrison is actually not the first straight white male Christian to become Prime Minister. In fact, the bloke who Morrison replaced was also straight white and male and Christian, and quite a bit wealthier, yet he was breathlessly fated by Fairfax. It just... Again, it's, it's, almost, this it's almost as if um, the religion is not the problem that people have here. It's the his cruelty and his hypocrisy um, that people are picking at. Like, I, I don't... He brings out this point that, you know, everyone, almost every prime minister up until this point in, in time has been a straight white male Christian, right? Like, people are not... This is not new to people. I don't think people are particularly outraged by it, right? Because, like, how could you? I think the the point that people have is that to to have that face and then to go out and, uh, you know, 
tell refugees that they are never going to uh, never going to arrive in Australia and to you know show up in in Parliament waving a piece of coal around, showing how you know incredible it is when we're all just sitting there going, yeah, that's cool, that's that's we're we're going to die and probably real soon. Like, is that like am I am I nuts? Like, I don't know. Well, I yeah, don't... in in his case, it's specifically that. Like, you know, I, I know that, like you're saying, it is not news to anybody that all save one of Australia's prime ministers have been straight white Christian males. But does does he think that, like, that's helping make his point? Yeah. Or that he, that's helping yeah. make the point of other people? He's He's essentially just confirming that the society we live in is structured around the idea that only people who fit that criteria are eligible to be the prime minister of this country. That those are the only those are the only people who yeah. are seen as like meeting the criteria, despite our you know significantly shifting and evolving Dem- demographics. Yeah, so there's there's that part, and there's also so yeah, like the the idea that this does not, you know, re- reinforce the fact that we live in. You know, a fucking patriarchal society, which, as lots of right-wing people will love to remind you, is founded on Judeo-Christian ethics and morals and all that kind of shit. But also, yeah, the fact that he is, as far as I know, far more so than a lot of other politicians. Like, I mean, again, I, I don't think it's any secret that any given politician will identify as being Christian but does that mean that you just say the Lord's Prayer in Parliament in the morning and maybe you go to like a one of those prayer breakfasts every now and then maybe you go to church once a week or whatever while you're fucking your like parliamentary aid on the side like you know I, I don't I don't think there's any strong correlation between someone in politics identifying as a Christian and that person actually holding the moral conviction of of that church's teachings. I think it is a you know, a posturing thing for a lot of people. It's a lot of well, people I saying think this find... is a thing I need to identify to be seen as eligible. Yeah. Hence the history of who has been the Prime Minister in this country. Absolutely. But I mean we know the story of the Good Samaritan where, you know, Jesus came across this man who'd been severely beaten and left on the line on the road, and he's you know, a foreign foreign man. And, of course, Jesus took that man and he put him in a prison mm. uh, and said, look, uh, you can't... Uh, we have to have you in this prison and make sure that everyone can see you in this prison or else other Samaritans will also want our help. And it all just becomes this big And we mess. can't have that. We, we can't, can't, we have, can't that. have that. So I think that's pretty famous teaching yeah, and the thing of like you know helping your neighbor and kindness and that sort of thing which is what i assume it's actually about and again as far as i am aware scott morrison is also a, a much more publicly churchy person so much more so than malcolm turnbull just you know going to a, a prayer breakfast every now and then but other than that just living his life in a fairly agnostic manner which i think is what we all picture him doing mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody on the fucking planet imagines that Malcolm Turnbull goes home at night and before he turns into bed, kneels down next to his bed 
and folds his hands and says, Lord, I need guidance. He's also sure. wearing one of those pointy sleeping caps while he's doing it. Yep, yep. <laughs> But I mean, Lord, I, t- Lord honestly- I need your guidance on how to compromise my morals yet again. Yeah, but honestly, like I don't, I don't care if you are right. Like I don't, I think you know, wh- whatever we're going to have people of all kind of faiths and, and what have you take up, take up, um, you know, positions at, at all at all levels, right? Like I don't, I don't care. The 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 thing that people I think mostly have an issue with is Scott Morrison is. His actions, and if your actions don't match, you know, the kind of image that you're trying to portray for yourself, then you know maybe that's bullshit. Yeah, you can be as churchy as you like, except that if you are the person who architected the entire um, Operation Sovereign Borders scheme, yeah, it's it's then you don't get to act as though you are a good Christian that's right. person. That's right. You don't get to have, you know, a, a series of people try to, like, commit suicide and self-immolate in a prison that you set up. You don't get to have, like, a whole bunch of children attempting to commit suicide in camps that your government is running and also claim to be, you know, a good and generous Christian. You can fuck off with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Joe continues. Oh, so, and and I like this as well. Um, not only was the PM before Morrison, um, but so is the man who will be PM after him, a Christian. Yep, snap your garters and call yourself Ethel. Okay. Because Bill Shorten is, wait for it, straight, white, male, and Christian. And if that wasn't enough of a coinky dink for you, fucking hate this guy. It's also worth remembering that all three men have something else in common. Their asylum seeker policy. Yet sadly, only one gets a tribute song on the ABC. It's enough to make baby refugees cry. Well, yeah, because only one of them's in power at the moment. Only one of them is the fucking shit. prime minister yeah, I really at the. Struggle to understand that. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, right? Like. It sucks when Bill Shorten does it as well. Yeah. And we, it wouldn't, and it wouldn't matter if he that. was... Like, you know, if he was an atheist and he was doing it, it would still suck. Like, oh, it... Yep, yep. He's very dumb, man. He's wildly moronic. And, yeah, like you're saying, uh, what? So, uh, is... Is this fucking TV show tonightly meant to go back in time and do a version of this song for every prime minister that this policy has been going under? Are they supposed to do one for Bill Shorten and say, oh, if you become the prime minister, then this song about you also? Which which absolutely would have happened as well. Like, let me just say that categorically. Like... People would be shit talking Bill Shorten if he was if he was in power right now, right? Because that's what you're supposed to do. It's yeah, it's it's very dumb. Ah, uh, you want to hear a sweet sweet bit of being a huge fucking moron and not getting anything? Uh-huh. <laughs> Here we go. Of course, the savvy identity politician would say that this only proves the point. If you're straight, white, male, and Christian, it means you have no empathy for all those nasty brown-skinned Muslims coming over in boats. Damn it, he's no. Close. No, it means that if you are a straight, white, male Christian, Christian who displays no empathy for those people, that's then what you, means yeah. you have no empathy that's for right. them. 
Inconveniently for them, the most outspoken advocate for boat people in the country is probably an Anglican priest called Rod Bauer. Should Father Rod's position on refugees also be dismissed because he is straight, white, male and Christian? No. No, because he's speaking in favour of them. Because he's using his faith for kindness. Like, what is this... It's, it's not, so fucking it's not, not hard to a grasp. Difficult concept to grasp. Father Bob also rules, right? Like, it's not. It's almost as if it's not their faith that defines them, but the actions that they take. Yeah, like this identity politics would have us believe that possessing just one of these properties would lead us to a certain oh, worldview, dude. and yet Bauer and Morrison share all four qualities and have come to completely opposite positions on the issue that defines them both. That little experiment alone is enough to prove it is utter worthlessness as a political theory. Well, yeah, num- number one, oh that's fucking not what it's about. Like I say, <laughs> the idea that like yeah, if you if you want to understand like systemic racism and its effects that you should talk to someone that it actually affects as opposed to like, yeah, having brown skin automatically means that you have had exactly the same identical experience to every other human being with brown skin. The fucking moron. <sighs> My goodness. Uh, and he closes out his ridiculous article after some other silly shit by saying, personally, I'd rather live in a world where people can say what they want oh. and ideas are judged on their merits. God. But what would I know? I'm just a straight white male. Fucking hell. Absolute dipshitted cretin. There was a time where I didn't think like, I thought there's no way that Joe Hildebrand could be like, he's bad, but he's not like a Andrew Bolt. But he is. He just lacks the pizzazz. He's like a boring Bolt. Yeah, he doesn't even have, like, the smugness to carry any of it off. No, he doesn't. He, it's like... It's so transparent that you can immediately see there's nothing new to, that's being said here at all. Um, and it doesn't even... He doesn't have even the good sense to make it entertaining. No, not even slightly. So... And it's, uh, I, I do I do really enjoy, though, that he has framed... He has, like, bookended that article by saying, if only, if only the world were about achieving merit on the basis of the strength of your ideas and the power of your logic and your ability to comprehend and execute arguments as opposed to your status as a straight white Christian male. <laughs> and then he goes about just demonstrating absolute fucking dunderheaded incomprehension of incredibly basic arguments. <laughs> like just, just tripping over his own dick with these incredibly stupid points that he's making that all really clearly contradict each other if you hold them up to the light for even the merest second. While an incredibly uncritical editor just shepherds it through. Uh, nope, that's good. Print it. Goes, yeah, we got to get to print. Whatever. Uh, look, I got an important question, which is, are you still with us, Ben? I sure am. Ah, there he is. 
A sweet baby boy. Uh, no, I, I have a horrible admission to make. Uh, it's, yeah. I, I got distracted because it looks like whoever is on at work tonight is fucking up something very bad with our socials <sighs> posts, and I'm trying to figure Stop out it. who it is. Stop it. I'm always on the clock. Always on the cock. But it also looks like no one's working tonight. How has this happened? Oh, it's a ghost. A ghost is updating the website. A ghost is tweeting out the captions from articles, but not the articles themselves. (laughs) The ghost in the machine. Who is doing this? Well, we'll leave you to solve that mystery. I'm so sorry. This is very unprofessional. But in another sense, very professional. Yeah, just not this profession. Yeah, wrong profession. Yeah, you're supposed to work on the thing that you're currently being paid for, but that's okay. We'll get... We can go through this afterwards. No big deal. Hey, look, some of us uh, just... No, she is here. Your your only crime, Ben, is caring too much. That's... You're exactly right. (laughs) And the drug use. Oh, yeah. So... I I, I buy a lot of weed. I I think that is a crime. (laughs) Technically, if you want to get technical. So, on that note, folks, I think we will wrap it up. Uh, as always, you can find extra bonus episodes over on patreon.com forward slash Vista for only five American dollars a month while they still have dollars. Uh, and of course, that gets you some extra bits of content. All the other jazz that we do gets you... Uh, you can submit questions to the mailbag that we will answer uh, on bonus episodes, all that kind of thing. You can go on the Discord and the old... bully me like all the rest of them. Oh, yeah, you can well. get, on the, get on the Discord, on the old chat, Bully Theo. All in good fun, isn't it, mate? Just having a laugh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just pulling your leg, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but until next week, that's it from us, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. You're not going to say goodbye, Ben? Uh, look, honestly, I'm, I'm so sorry. I So distracted. <laughs> I... She just got back to me. They're, they're sorting the problem out now. So, do you think? Um, do you think now that that mystery's been solved, that you could take the time to say goodbye? To the listeners? Hey, listeners, goodbye. goodbye.